Hi everyone, this is Elsie, um, Elsie Lewis. I, I write and um, perform the, the podcast in, uh, in, in my bedroom. Um, before getting into this week's book, um, Juliet Takes a Breath um, by Gabby Rivera, I, I wanted to draw attention to something um, that uh, Ms. Rivera had, had included as part of a, a Q&A um, at the end of the book, um, that, that, that the, the version that I read anyway, um, that in light of the current ongoing global events, just the hate crimes that we're seeing against um, members of the Asian community, the ongoing significant violence uh, against against people of colour in the States and, and and so much more besides the events going on in China right now. And there I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to mention, um, yeah, an article that uh, that was that was mentioned um, in that Q&A. I, I promise the girls are going to talk and have fun um, in, in the show. Um, but the the article is um, accomplices, not allies um, on indigenousaction.org. Um, I, I, it's, it's a very thought provoking read. Um, I'm going to link to it on, on social media and stuff when, when I'm posting for the show, but, but just action is, is so necessary right now and, and constant attention is, is so necessary right now for, to, to, to save lives, um, yeah, I just I just thought it would be um, disingenuous to, to launch into a show on, on this book without mentioning that in, in light of recent events. Um, um, but yeah, let's 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 get stuck in and hear what the, the girls have to think about um, Juliet Takes a Breath um, by Gabby Rivera. I was not prepared to enjoy that. I'm not prepared to enjoy most of the intros you do, Katie, but I was not prepared for that. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel like there's a compliment in there, but... Yeah, like, so do I. Like, and that is unusual. <laughs> but, like, it's... You really liked it. Like, I don't know. Like, it. I feel like it might be too long. Oh, it's too long, Katie. <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it don't change the fact that I'm be singing it for a while. Like, I was supposed to start studying today. How am I supposed to start studying now? How am I supposed to do these exams, girls? Yeah, like, I, I genuinely don't know, man. Like, this whole exam situation is terrifying. You guys, no, like, we'll be absolutely fine. Like, there's there's going to be an understanding on, like, the lecturer side of, like, how tough it's been this year. They'll take that into account in the marking. They have to. And, you know, like, we'll just do an online study group again. Again, like it's genuinely going to be fine. Oh man, oh man, this is terrifying. This is so scary, man. Dude, dude like this is. I really oh, shouldn't gosh. have thought of this. I shouldn't have started this conversation. Yeah, we could have. Yeah, maybe if we switched to something lighter. Like I, I had a GIF only conversation with Chloe during Bang Bang Con. 
Is that, that happened? what you guys were doing? Is that, I genuinely, I could not figure out why the group chat was so quiet, man. Like, I just assumed it was because we all had to get up at half six in the morning on a Saturday. That was, that was pretty sad. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That was rough. That was, that was genuinely a very sad situation right there. <laughs> so again, we should probably, for, for anyone listening <clears throat> who wasn't in attendance, um, Bang Bang Con was a streaming event um, last Saturday, it would have been, um, where a bunch of BTS concerts <laughs> were shown on YouTube. A bunch of BTS concerts. Oh, no. Sarah, okay. That's how we're going to term this. I'm sorry. Uh, BTS begins. Jump. Oh, okay, we're going to swipe our part one and two in the same concert, one after the other. That's fair. How dog Okay. Are we yeah. actually here? No, 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 no. This monster in Busan on actual stage, DJ Shuka Shuka Ghoul FM. Oh, that's that's right. what we, a bunch yeah. of BTS concerts. <laughs> Don't go break on with the BST jackets just like in that episode of Run BTS. What's wrong with you? Just a second time. Look <laughs> yourself in the panel. The Ampa Man actually flying over the crowd right there. Now you're actually trusting at the camera during Pepsi. What's wrong with you? No, 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 we get it, Chloe. I don't think you do. I don't think you do get it. It was not a bunch of concerts, it was a seven hour emotional. But but you had a GIF only conversation with Kleena at that time. Yes, yes, I did, Sarah. It was so beautiful. <laughs> Masterful subject change, Sarah. It's so, Chloe, tell us, how did it start? I, actually, do you know what? I'll just send it around to the group chat, will I? <laughs> Really, like, I mean, oh my, wow, Chloe, that was, that was fast, man. Oh, yeah, you were complimenting my gift game. That's what it was. Weird that you opened with a sugar gift, Chloe. Wouldn't have called that. Uh, am I not human, Sarah? Have I no heart? The man out there working on his shoulder rehab every goddamn day, like his life actually depends on it. Also, he can put on the best performance he can for me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful, I can't believe you will question that right now. Oh my God, Clary, like what? If Jungkook was listening right now and he heard you favouring his bandmate like that. Oh my God, <laughs> do you think he is? Oh my God, Jungkook, your pa- I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry, please forgive me. <laughs> Oh man, look at J-Hope dancing with Yontan, I completely forgot about oh, that, yeah. man. I love that gift, like genuinely, like I think, I think Yontan might be my bias now, I think that's, that's what's after happening. <laughs> to clarify for listeners, um, Yontan is V from BTS's um, dog, he is, he is a Pomeranian, he is adorable, but yes, we're in that deep right now, people, we are talking about the members' pets Rather than the actual members themselves, that's that's what's happening right now. Yeah, I really didn't think we'd get like this invested, dude. Like you only talk invested. Like I had to get my dad to like buy me a corkboard to like hang up all the like BTS pins um, after ordering from like Etsy. 
Should I explain that one? No, no. Obviously, all of our listeners are going to be completely up on all of the fan-made merch you personally are after buying, Katie. Yes, you should explain <laughs> it. Jesus, <laughs> <God. laughs> But yeah, yeah. So like fan-made merch, it's like, yeah, it's this big thing right now. And like, that's really cool because it's like a community thing and it's like super democratic. Everybody makes stuff and we buy it from them and everybody gets to like make money from it and I get cool stuff. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. And like, yeah, so enamel pins, lots of people are making them. And like, some people are like really good good at it man but like i thought that you were like knee deep in like resin shaker obsession land place type thing like i can hold residency in resin shaker obsession land and like spend my weekends in enamel pin city yeah like with the reduced restrictions i mean provided it's within 20 kilometers of your home i personally don't see a problem with it okay now clean i I don't usually say when, like, a joke is bad, when it's not Katie telling it, but, like... Yeah, fam, that was... That was weak. Yeah, 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 that, that is the case. I I don't know, I'm kind of feeling it, though. <laughs> <laughs> but no, 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 no. But, yeah, like, people people make, yeah, they draw awesome, like, fan art and stuff, and then, and then they make it into pins, and, like, they're super awesome, and, like, I ordered a Min Yoonji one. Oh, man, Min Yoonji, I love, I love Min Yoonji so much. No, for real, like, shit, like, a Min Yoonji is, like, hot girl shit. That's so, all like, I'm saying right there. <laughs> but, like, again, I, I feel like we should kind of do that clarifying thing. So, like, during, yeah, one Run BTS episode, you know, this is the show that the boys do, um, but yeah, they had to do like this classroom skit thing and they were all given roles and stuff. And, and Suga had to dress up as like a visiting exchange student, like a visiting like girl exchange student. And all the boys had to be like super into her and everything. And he did. And he like named her Min Yoongi because he's Min Yoongi. And, and she was like just genuinely like such a bad bitch. I just love her so much. Like representing. Oh my God. <laughs> such a bad bitch. <laughs> representing that's <laughs> that just that just happens right there yeah i mean we we can all accept that minyunji was legitimately like radiating bad bitch energy like <laughs> but i yeah that was that was unexpected <laughs> it was but, you know, do you know what like that was that was lighter i think we achieved what we wanted to achieve there but what if we started to talk about book things because you guys we have we have much to say about uh, our third book in this series Yay! that is correct <laughs> that is correct Alrighty. so so yes the third book in our series on lgbtqia plus authors is juliet takes a breath by gabby rivera Oh my god, I'm so glad we got to read this book. Do <laughs> oh <my laughs> you want to expand on that there a little close? Well, like, like, oh, it's just so class. Like, like the last two books we did, like, they were real good. Like, don't get me wrong, like, or nothing. But, like, like I learned loads and all. But, like, if we'd had another, like, real heavy, like, angsty book, like, it would have been grand. Like, I would have enjoyed it, I say. But, like, oh man, Juliet was just such a legend. Like, oh, like she's such a legend like for real yeah no like genuinely like I was so disappointed when like the book was done and like I didn't get to like hang out with her anymore oh my god yes yeah uh, like it was just really cool how like real like Juliet was or yeah something. like it yeah it sounds like super wanky but like her voice was like yeah just like class man yeah yeah like it's like it's not even that her voice is like stronger or anything than like the voices in other books we've read she was just like Oh my god, I don't know. Like I just, she was like, oh my god, I really want her to be my friend. And <laughs> no, like for real, like like I I still like quite haven't gotten my head around the fact that like, 
Like, she not real. Like, like I genuinely feel like I made this, like, imaginary best mate. And, like, now she's gone. And, like, I don't know what I'm going to do without her. Like, oh, my God. Like, like I know you're messing. But, like, actual same right now. <laughs> no, like, I'm not messing, Sasha. Like, I miss oh her so much right now. <laughs> okay, like, let's read the graphic novel together. And, like, we get to hang out with her all over again. Okay, like, serious question. Like, but do I have to start crying to get in on this now? Or, like, how is that going to work? Like, I think so. Like, genuinely. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. So maybe you could do, like, something a little introduction-y for the actual book right now. Uh, seriously, like, structure would be awesome right now. <laughs> okay, so for Katie. For Katie. Um, Gabby Rivera is a Bronx-born, queer, Puerto Rican babe on a mission to create the wildest, most fun stories ever. We can attest to absolutely all of that sentence being very accurate. She's the first Latina to write for Marvel Comics, penning the solo series America about America Chavez, a portal-punching queer Latina powerhouse. In 2017, Gabby was named one of the top comic creators by the Sci-Fi Network and one of NBC's hashtag Pride30 innovators. Gabby now makes magic on both coasts, currently residing in California. She writes for all the sweet baby queers and her mom, and hosts Joy Revolution, the podcast that brings together her favorite revolutionary humans to honor joy in a chaotic world. And um, yeah, then on to our book for today. Um, That is her debut novel, Juliet Takes a Breath. Um, So Juliet Milagros Palante, I have been practicing that, is a self-proclaimed closeted Puerto Rican baby dyke from the Bronx. Only she's not so closeted anymore. Not after coming out to her family the night before flying to Portland, Oregon, to intern with her favourite feminist writer, what's sure to be a life-changing experience. And when Juliet's coming out crashes and burns, she's not sure her mom will ever speak to her again. But Juliet has a plan. Sort of. Her internship with legendary author Harlow Brisbane, the ultimate authority on feminism, women's bodies and other gay-sounding stuff, is sure to help her figure out this whole Puerto Rican lesbian thing. Except Harlow's white. And not from the Bronx. And she definitely doesn't have all the answers. In a summer bursting with queer brown dance parties, a sexy fling with a motorcycling librarian and intense explorations of race and identity, Juliet learns what it means to come out to the world, to her family, to herself. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did want to point out that um, Sarah, the whole name pronunciation thing that was weirdly intimidating. I just I wanted to. Before we start on any of this, I just wanted to make it very clear that this accent, it doesn't allow for much more than like butchering like other languages. Spanish would be right up there in that list. Actually, no, don't be like that. Uh, Here, search, like I know I can be a little harsh sometimes with, you know, clean a bashing, but like this is me being downright pragmatic. Like, like, no, here, listen, I wrote these down like because I knew I was going to have to make this example. So, yeah. Sin vergüenza, Juliet Milagros Palante, Taquito. There are more, but there are like that is that is upsetting. I could understand all of those, Clina. Ah, yes, but could our listeners, Sarsha? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 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 this is all kind of a moo point as as it is. <laughs> Why was that, man? A moo point, like a cow's opinion. 
doesn't matter. I don't know that like quoting friends is going to help with the whole you not being the whitest person on the planet here, Katie. Clina, the traps I set for Katie would be a lot more effective if you didn't explain them to her afterwards, okay? <laughs> Dude! <laughs> yes, what I was going to say is that um, I think that uh, our excerpt this week should be read by none other than our very own president of the Global Juliet Palante Fan Club, Ms. Chloe Cullen. Oh my god. Oh my god, are you serious right now? Oh my god. Oh my god, Sarah, like I love Julia so much. Oh my god, Sarah, that letter. No, I can't read that letter. She doesn't be talking about her. Who I? I can't say that. Okay, you are going to have to be able to use stronger vagina language than hoo ha if this is going to work, Chloe, like for real. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. 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 Chloe, Chloe, surely, surely you've been noticing that, like, kind of like frank language that's been in the books we've been reading so far in the series it was going to be your turn at some stage like this was going to happen yeah but like like my mom don't let me use that word guys what word Chloe? like cunt <laughs> Like, out of all people I know, like, you are the last person I thought I'd be hearing that from, man. Well, well, I am sorry my family has values, Kate, okay? <laughs> like, dude, no, like, you wouldn't be using that word in, like, a derogatory sense, man. You'd be using it to, like, describe, like, I don't know, female power or whatever, like, the way Juliet is. So, like, so, like, I'd be, like, reclaiming it like like we're dealing with this whole chiclet terminology thing well i mean i don't know that we can lay total claim on on that whole thing but sure yeah why not so, so like so like what you're, so what you're saying is katie like what you're saying is like i'm basically a feminist hero right now <laughs> uh, so what you're saying right now is that i'm basically a feminist hero all time katie oh my actual god yes fine whatever you're a feminist hero all hail queen chloe okay sarah i'm ready i guess started, okay? <laughs> thank you thank you my friend you're a true professional i know right <clears throat> okay so march toward 2003 oh my god that's the date like lc turned 18 that's mad anyway um okay so march toward 2003 yes dear harlow hi my name is julia palante i've been reading your book raging flower empowering your pussy by empowering your mind okay that was hard that was hard to say but i can do this i can do this i can do this okay come on chloe you're in let's just do it all right Empowering your pussy by empowering your mind. No lie, I started reading it so that I could make people uncomfortable on the subway. I feel you, Julia. I especially enjoyed whipping it out during impromptu sermons given by old surface men on the two train. It amused me to watch men confront the word pussy in a context outside their control. You know, like in bright pink letters on the cover of some girl's paperback. So, you know. Um, my grandmother calls me La Sin Frequenza, eh? uh, the one without shame. She right. I'm always in it for the laughs. 
But I'm writing to you now because this book of yours, this magical labia manifesto has become my Bible. It's definitely a reading from the book of white lady feminism, Katie. And yeah, there are moments when I see my round brown ass in your warts. I wanted more of that, Harlow. More representation, more acknowledgement, more room to breathe the same air as you. We are all women. We are all of the womb. It is in that essence of the moon that we share sisterhood. That's you. You wrote that and I highlighted it, wondering if that was true. If you don't know my life and my struggle, can we be sisters? Can a badass white lady like you make room for me? Should I stand next to you and take that space? Or do I need to just push you out the way? Claim it myself now so that like one day we'll be able to share this art, this block, these deep breaths. I hope it's okay to say this to you. I don't mean any disrespect, but if you can question the patriarchy, then I can question you. I think. I don't really know how this feminism stuff works anyway. I've only taken one women's studies class and that was legit because a cute girl on my floor signed up for it. This girl made me lose my train of thought. I wanted to watch her eat strawberries and make her a mixtape. So I signed up for the class and then she became my girlfriend. But please don't ask me about anything that happened in that class afterwards because love is an acid trip. Feminism. I'm new to it. The word still sounds weird and wrong, too white, too structured, too foreign, something I can't claim. I wish there was another word for it. Maybe I need to make one up. My mum's totally a feminist. I can't say mom. I won't say mom. Okay, that's, that's how this is going down. My mum's a feminist. But she never uses that word. She moulds my little brother's breakfast eggs into Ninja Turtles and pays all the bills in the house. She's this lady that never sleeps because she's working on a master's degree while raising my little brother and me and pretty much balancing the rhythm of an entire family on our shoulders. That's a feminist, right? But my mum still irons my dad's socks. So what do you call that woman? You know, besides ma'am. Your book is a refuge from my neighbourhood from my contradictions, from my lack of desire to ever love a man, let alone wash his fucking socks. I don't even wash my own socks. I want to learn more about the wonder of me, the lunar power of my pussy, my vag, my taquito, that place where all the magic happens. You know, once people are quiet enough to show it reverence. I want to be free. Free like this line, a fully realised woman is at all times her true self. No soul-crushing secrets or self-imposed burdens of shame. These create toxic imbalance, a spiritual yeast infection, if you will. So step out into the fresh air and let that pussy breed. This is crazy. This is a crazy book that I'm reading right now. (laughs) I've got a secret. This is Juliana. This isn't me. I've got a secret. I think it's going to kill me. Sometimes I hope it does. Like, how do I tell my parents that I'm gay? Gay sounds just as weird as feminist. How do you tell the people who breed you into existence that you're the opposite of what they want you to be? And I'm supposed to be ashamed of being gay. But now that I've had sex with girls, I don't feel any shame at all. In fact, it's pretty fucking amazing. So, how am I supposed to come out and deal with 
everyone else's sadness. Sinverquenza comes out, is banished from family. That's the headline. You did this to me. I wasn't going to come out. I was just going to be that family member who's gay and nobody ever talks about it, even though everyone knows they share a bed with their roommate. Now, everything is different. How am I supposed to be this honest? Like, I know you're not a magic eight ball. You're just some lady that wrote a book. But I fall asleep with that book in my arms because words protect hearts and I've got this ache in my chest that won't go away. I read Raging Flower and now I dream of raised fists and solidarity marches led by matriarchs fueled by Café Con Leche wherever I can march alongside cigar-smoking donuts and black power dykes and all the world's weirdos and no one is left out. And no one is living a lie. Is that the world you live in? I read that you live in Portland, Oregon. No one I know has ever been there. Most people I know have never left the Bronx. I refuse to be that person. The Bronx cannot own me. There isn't enough air to breathe here. I carry an inhaler for those days when I need more than my allotted share. I need a break. I know that the problems in the hood are systematic. I know that my neighbourhood is stuck in a sanctioned and fully funded cycle of poverty, but damn if this place and the people here don't wear me down. Some days it feels like we argue to be louder than the trains that rumble us home. Otherwise, our voices will be drowned out and then who'll hear us? I'm tired of graffiti being the only way to see someone's mark on the world. A world that consists of this block and maybe the next, nothing farther. There aren't even enough trees to absorb the chaos and breathe out some peace. I'll trade you pancakes for peace. I heard that you're writing another book. I can help with that. Let me be your assistant or protege or official geek sidekick. I can do all the research. Like, seriously, some of my best friends are libraries. If there's room in your world for a closeted Puerto Rican baby dog from the Bronx, you should write me back. Everybody needs a hand, especially when it comes to fighting the good fight. Punani power forever. Juliet Milagros Panante. P.S. How do you take our coffee? This will help me decide if we're compatible social justice superheroes or not. <laughs> Part 1. Welcome to the Bronx. Chapter 1. Wolves, Falcons and the Bronx. We are born with the power of the moon and the flow of the waves within us. It's only after being commodified for our femaleness that we lose power. The first step in gaining it back is walking face force into the crashing seas and daring the patriarchy to stop us. Raging flower, empowering your pussy by empowering your mind. Harlow Brisbane. There was always train traffic ahead of us and that Saturday was no different. The delay between the cell block grey train car and my red brick house on Matilda Avenue, Mikasa, was long enough to merit the assaulting an MTA officer as a felony sticker on the wall. I fail you. I fail you. <laughs> Without a heads up, I was sure we'd all be busting heads and windows open on the two train to the end of the orth, aka the North Bronx. Any wait period that lasted longer than two songs provoked collective teeth sucking, eye rolling and a shared disgust for the state of New York public transportation. I always wondered what would happen if the white people didn't all get off at 96th Street. Would it make my commute home to the hood any easier? Would the MTA give any more of a damn? 
Good thing I had a pen, my purple composition notebook and headphones blasting the miseducation of Lauren Hill like it was my J-O-B. The train was elevated after 149th Street and Tord Avenue, so for almost 100 blocks the view of the sky existed only above the train station. But no one ever seemed to look up that far. I'd looked through metal bars my whole life just to get a view of both the sidewalk and the sunshine. Past the train, there were clusters of electrical wires and telephone poles that looked ready to burst into flames or fall over from a gust of wind. This was my Bronx, the North Bronx. The split between the Bronx and Westchester County, the difference between the South Bronx and the part of the Bronx that no one ever travelled to. We apologise for the inconvenience and thank you for your patience, said the automated white male robot voice used by the MTA. And that was a killer impression of it, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> thank us for our patience. Like, save the gratitude and get me home. I was leaving that night for Portland, Oregon, and I still had to finish the mixtape I was making for my girlfriend, Lainey, who was already away at her internship with the College Democrats of America. On top of all that, I had to pack, shower, get ready for my good boy dinner, come out to my family, and then hopefully still be able to hug my mom so hard that I would feel her on my skin for the whole summer. I didn't have time for the train to be stalled. Seven times three is 21. Seven times four is 28. Across from me, a young girl and her mom, both wearing bandana dresses and head wraps, reviewed Times Table flashcards. Three dudes stood in the doorway. They bragged about their conquests over some bitches from last night. When boys talked, it sounded like feral dogs barking. They fiended for attention. They were always aggressive and made me wish I could put them down. Raging Flower was both book and shield. I pulled it out, sighing madly out. The main boy gave me a look. Whatever, Papi Kulo. I couldn't even with dudes lately. All they did was talk smack about how good they laid down the pipe. Anytime I ignored them, I was both a bitch and all of a sudden too ugly or too fat to get it anyway. Neighbourhood dudes sure knew how to slime and shame a girl in one swift move. Like Reason number 551, Raging Flare was so necessary. Reading helped me gather myself, reminded me that I had a right to be mad. It felt like my body was both overexposed and an unsolved mystery. You must walk in this world with the spirit of a... of a ferocious cunt. Okay, I said it. There. Whew. Okay, that's, that's okay. The world didn't fall down. Okay. You must walk in the world, in this world, with the spirit of a ferocious cunt. Express your emotions. Believe that the universe came from your flesh. Own your power. Own your connection to Mother Earth. Howl at the moon. Bear your teeth and be a goddamn wolf. Ferocious cunt. I circled that phrase in neon purple ink. Fair play to you, Julia. Was I a ferocious cunt? By tomorrow night, I'd be in Harlow's home. Not on the train in the Bronx. I had planned my escape, chose to come out and run off into the night. What kind of wolf did that make me? I needed air. I wasn't ashamed of myself. I wasn't ashamed of being in love with the cutest girl on the planet. But my family was my world and my mom was the gravitational pull that kept me stuck to this earth. What would happen if she let me go? Would my family remain planted to terra firma while I spiralled out and away into the void? The train lurched a little. The mother and daughter duo beside me packed up their flashcards and got off. The train doors closed with a high-pitched two-note signal. 
At the corner of 238th Street and White Plains Road in the Bronx, the five and two trains split ways. I got off the train and stood on the corner, staring at the fork between the elevated train tracks. A bent, corroded metal rainbow. It curved above and beckoned the five train in another direction, away from Mount Vernon and into the unknown. But nothing likes to be split in half, so when the five train hit that bend, sparks flew out and landed like mini meteors on the sidewalk. The wheels ground hard, metal on metal, and sent out a screech, a torturous yell that could be heard for miles. The sound shredded the fibres of my bones. I felt it in my cavities, heard it in my daydreams. The sun was setting over the neighbourhood. Jamaican men stood in zigzag patterns on the block, shouting, Taxi miss! No insurance, some without a licence, but damn if they didn't get a person where they needed to go. I dipped around him and made a left towards Paisano's pizza shop. Black and brown bodies were in full motion. A solid line of people shuffled in and out of the liquor store. It was owned by Mrs Lee. She sent flowers to my uncle Ramon's wake when he died two years ago from cirrhosis. Sirens sounded as ambulances rushed to the nearest emergency to transport the bloody and wounded off to Our Lady of Sacrifice Hospital. The block was never silent. We lived loud and hard against a neighbourhood built to contain us. We moved like the earth pushing its way through cement sidewalks. I pulled a dollar out of my pocket. Robert, I said to the man crouched between the liquor store and Paisano's. He didn't move. Jacket over his head, he stood still as death. Robert existed in a plume of crystal white smoke. Robert, I said again, louder. The jacket shifted, his wide brown eyes peered out from the sleeve. Hey ma, Robert said, not blinking. I put the dollar in his coat pocket. He nodded thanks and pulled the jacket back over his head. I didn't know how else to reach out to this man who'd been smoking crack in between the same two buildings for almost 20 years. Even on Christmas morning, he stood like a sentry dedicated to crack rock. I've asked him if he needs anything. All he's ever asked for was a dollar. That was our relationship. I nodded and kept moving. Past his smoke spot, past a row of cab drivers, past the 17-year-old girls snatched up for prostitution and her 18-year-old pimps. I was almost home. Good thing too, because those dudes from the train were still talking mad loud behind me. Where were they on my ass? My cell phone buzzed in my pocket. Ma'am. Nana. I yanked the phone from my ear. Yes, mama. Pick up some recal, cilantro and tomato sauce for the sofrito. Oh, and something sweet. I love you. Love you too, I replied, still keeping the phone a safe distance from my ears. I learned a long time ago that you never told mama she was shouting. Everything in the Imperial supermarket was mad suspect. The fruits and vegetables were often mouldy. A pack of sesame candy I bought had a roach in it once. And man, I hated buying chicken there too. Every package of meat had a greyish tinge to it and the oil itself often smelled like blood. But it was the only market we had within walking distance of the house. Mama was going to get her sofrito ingredients. I just had to be diligent and examine everything as per usual. Figured I'd start with the easy stuff and pick up the tomato sauce first. The group of bro dudes from the train found me in the canned vegetable oil and one of them said, Hey mommy, you looking good. What's up with your number? I didn't answer him. I focused on the 65 cent tomato sauce in my hands. He moved in close behind me. I say you looking mad good, he repeated, his breath harsh on my neck. My back tensed up. I cracked my middle knuckle with my thumb. 
Every way this group of man-boys could possibly assault me flashed through my head. A bolt of fear snaked up my spine. I squeezed the can, wishing I was bold enough to clock him with it. I shrugged hard and turned around. His friends had moved in closer, forming a little semicircle around me. Fucking dudes, man. What's up? You too good to say hello? He asked, smiling. I'm gay and not interested, I blurted out. My whole face went hot. Why did I say that? Jesus, with fluorescent lights above me, stained white tiles under my feet and a circle of machismo incarnate around me, there was nowhere to run. That's a damn shame. Maybe you just need this good day right here, he said as he grabbed his crotch. He stared at me and gave himself a good up and down stroke. His eyes had a hard glint to them. His tattoo party tattoos showed from beneath his beater. A lion on his right arm, a crucifix on the left, and the name Hoselis across his neck. His boys gave him a pound. They laughed, salivated, and tightened their circle around me. I stepped to the right, and he moved in my way. They laughed again. Okay, like, that's where the excerpt ends, but, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know, like, ugh. Like, it's so familiar, like, that feeling of being, like, surrounded. Yeah, yeah, like, or, like, being followed. Like, people's, people's presence, yeah, like, being, like, a malevolent thing. Like, or, like, that you're only safe if you're, like, around other people that are, like, in exactly the same situation as you. Oh, that is interesting. That is super interesting. Will you remind me that you said that later? Okay, <laughs> but but yeah, th- like the whole yeah, the whole thing of like the feeling around the Bronx in general, that feeling of being like that you're closed in, like not even just the Bronx, like any city, like like that there's there's so many people around all the time. You go for a walk down the street, there's going to be a ton of people around. You get the train, there's going to be a ton of people around, and then even at home, there isn't like a ton of people around. But like Juliet has her little brother and her mom and dad. Like it's it's like still other experiences and presences that you need to work around yeah like that's that's different to the the whole being hunted by predators thing yeah no sorry i had just kind of gone on to the next conversation in 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 my brain without you guys which happens yeah that's fair that's fair (laughs) but no i do get what you're saying like yeah and like coming back from like being in the residences last year after college and stuff like yeah that was that was rough over the summer yeah yeah i'd say so like your folks are real like oh let's sit down and have dinner and talk about your day-to-day situation right oh dude like you have no idea like my mom still wakes us all up at eight for breakfast on a saturday are you for real right now? Are you messing? Dude, like, and then we all go for, like, a walk together afterwards as, like, a family and stuff. Wow, I I just got sick in my mouth a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. I bet you love it, Katie. Serge, it's, like, eight in the morning on a Saturday, man. If they left you in bed, you'd be devastated. I would relish the delicious extra sleep and if I didn't have to go on that stupid walk, I could, like, maybe go into a room unannounced. What, like, you get announced going into a room like you're the like you're the queen or something her ladyship Catherine Murphy of the box room upstairs no, man, like, no it's like it's I don't know if they always did this or if my folks are just going senile but like they have to keep like a running commentary on everything that's going on lately like so like it's like I'll walk into the room and one of them will go like oh here's Katie and I'm like yeah I know <laughs> I'm Katie. That's that's me, man. Oh, 
Katie. That's kind of sweet, though. Not when I just wanted to go back into the living room to get my phone and not, like, have a conversation about the huge spot threatening to take over, like, the entire lower half of my face. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could do without the recommendations and stuff, all right. Dude, if they were just recommendations, that wouldn't be so bad. But the fact that it's just extremely unhelpful stuff, like, Jesus Christ, Katie, what's that on your face? <laughs> Kitty, your mum wouldn't say that. <laughs> Lovely Mrs. Murphy. No Lovely way. Mrs. Murphy who insists that it's absolutely fine to put undiluted TCP directly onto your face. Oh, like, <laughs> what is it with country people on TCP? Like, there are other things you can use for stuff. Like, usually I would fight you on stuff like this, but I mean, when you're right, you're right, man. <laughs> Genuinely. I can't help but notice that all of this has absolutely nothing to do with our girl, Juliet. Oh my God, yeah, Katie. I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> usually. I'd fight back on that kind of thing but like yeah what does my current colony of like chin acne have to do with anything I don't know I'm kind of glad you addressed it. it it was weird being able to hear it over the phone <gasps> no like, like my voice doesn't sound different because of it right oh my god Katie no oh my god I'm so sorry no because like I kind of like it's so huge man like I thought it might have like genuinely changed the shape of my mouth like I feel so bad right now. So this bad, is so man. mean. No, you have to push through that that guilt right there, clean it. Like if you are going to effectively make fun of Katie, you're gonna to have to like forget that Dude. like she's your friend and you love her and everything. Just <laughs> just forget all that and just go for the funny. Okay, I'm gonna shut this down. This is ridiculous. We're we're gonna take a break and we'll be back in a few with more chiclet for life. Don't go anywhere. Dudoy is back. There's only one topic of conversation right now. COVID vaccines, when we're getting them, how we're getting them, and does it matter which one it'll be? Like, I have IG friends in the US and some of them are younger than me and have gotten their first dose. Like, it's not fair. So, like, is it true that the Moderna one is more advanced? Like, that's why they called it that. So, like, I heard on Facebook that the vaccines are actually tiny robots that will embed themselves in our brains and make it so that we all vote to have the Mongol Empire reinstated. So what what does Mongolia have to, to do with anything? Oh, well, have you seen the numbers in Mongolia? Yeah, yeah, I just googled them and they've had a huge spike in cases in the last few months. What? No, that can't be right. Proof, yet again, that the most dangerous pathogen we're dealing right now is Facebook usage. You gotta tune in, Dudoy Thursdays. Seriously, people gotta get off Facebook, man. I know, like, I have an aunt that will not stop with the conspiracy theories, and it is genuinely exhausting, man. Like, it's so harmful. Like, all that unsighted information. There are, like, so many people in the town that are like, oh, I haven't gotten COVID so far, so I'm not arsed getting a vaccine. Jesus, man. I think needing it to travel is going to be the thing. Oh, man, can you imagine what it's going to be like when we're going to be able to travel again? What, so you can, like, go to Portland and be with all the other white feminists? Like, why do you have to be mean about it, man? I'm not being mean about it, Katie, but you do realise you're going to have to stop wearing deodorant if you're going to fit in with the hot dreadlock girls when you get over there. So, so you're just basing all of this entirely on Juliet's first impressions when she gets to Portland, Chloe. That's where all of this is coming from. Uh, do you have a better idea? <laughs> <laughs> as weird and unresearched as that take is, we... 
we should use this as an opportunity to get stuck into this because like oh my actual god how amazing is Juliet like seriously and, and like for real like I just can't with her like I have never wanted someone to be real more in my actual life like oh my god same like she just made the whole book feel so like joyous or something like like so many like coming of age stories like particularly coming of age stories where the main character has to do something that like goes against the status quo you know like coming out the the story can become like all about that struggle and like overcoming discrimination and rejection and like like that's in here but like so much more than that there's the like unbridled like joy of like finding your tribe finding acceptance like knowing you're not alone like there are people that want to share themselves with you and have you share yourself with them and like there's it is there's just so much joy in that they want to celebrate you and invite you into their celebration it's just the most beautiful thing yeah and like and like even besides all that side of it which is like a huge part of the book like i agree like but there's also like this like really strong like foundation of like yeah love i guess that that juliet has with her family like and that sort of makes her coming out and having a barrier with them like all the more difficult and everything like that's obviously a, a big part of it but like even when that barrier is there and she's not her family don't understand her anymore the love is still there Juliet still has her family on her side they don't like out and out reject her I thought that was like really really cool it was a really interesting way to go at this like they they not way to go at it I mean it's a semi-autograph autobiographical like novel I think so like it's probably yeah based on like real but anyway I don't need to don't need to get into that it's not it's not why we're here but yeah Juliet's family they can't like fully accept her but they don't reject her so like having that partial rejection like mixed in with all that love is like super confusing but also like super interesting and like compelling to read about and like it's a very particular type of struggle and like not one that you hear about that often yeah like oh man that scene with her titi wepa and her i don't know if i'm saying that right and and her brother little melvin who is life by the way <laughs> yes little melvin is life and we fully support his endeavors to both become a falcon and also become someone who manipulates fire on the regular hashtag little melvin for supreme ruler of the universe <laughs> Okay, uh, but yeah, that scene where yeah, Titi Whip is all like, oh, "I've loved you from the moment you were born, and I always will. I don't care if you're gay or if you shave your head or if you become a falcon. <laughs> so like, get out of my car." Oh my actual god! And like her bad bitch mascara, like running down her face. Like if you are not actually bawling your full-on eyes out at that scene, you are made of actual stone, and you don't deserve this book in your life. Okay. Okay, hashtag Chloe for Lil Melvin's campaign manager. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, girls, girls, I was gonna make a point too. No, like, yeah, and no, because it was, yeah, it was real cool that, like, yeah, it wasn't a case that, like, all her family, like, shut her out or whatever. Like, she still, she still had some supports and stuff. Like, she got her cousin Ava, like, texting her after she came out, being all like, oh, y'all prima, I heard you're a big out loud lesbiana, like, viva la revolution, you know, like, it's, it's cool. Like, like, and I'm just thinking out loud right now but like it's like it's like Juliet's able to like work through everything in this like real open way like because she got this support system even though they don't get it most of them don't get it 
is still there, you know, like Ava's got her back, her aunties have her back and are like real clear about it with her, like, and then she goes to Portland and it's super tough and lonely at times, but there are people there that want to support her to work it out too and they're not perfect, they're like, they're far from perfect, but like, there is support there like she's not completely on her own she's not homeless she's not you know she's not superhero fighting through everything she has vulnerabilities and and relies on whatever support she has to make it work and find out who she is like and we get to we get to see that like she don't have to repress nothing that much she don't have to game face through it I think is what I'm saying yeah yeah that was that was cool and like kind of helpful I suppose for me anyway I think like the the difficulty her mom had with accepting her as gay it was a real case of like of course I love you but I don't understand this so I'm like ignoring this part of you Uh, it's what my psyche is doing to protect me and how much of myself I have kind of tied up in who you are like yeah what's really affecting was kind of the the overwhelming like yeah like you were saying love in Juliet's family like even even in their rejection of her which isn't a rejection like you were saying there's still like so much love like there's this scene where Juliet's about to leave for Portland and she wants to say goodbye to her mother but her mom has like locked herself in her room because she can't handle the situation with Juliet coming out but she shares this memory through the door of when Juliet was only a baby and she says that she can still only see that baby so seeing Juliet as this grown person that's different to who she thought she should be, like that's, yeah, I, I could see her mother's side of it and that's, I don't know, yeah, no, you know, but not that all that I just want you to be the person we raised you to be stuff wasn't an actual punch in the gay lady gut because... Jesus Christ. Yeah, you never gave boys a proper chance. Yeah, so-and-so's nephew's home from school and he'd be like, such a good match for you. Oh, the rage, man. The actual rage. Like, during that, I found myself wondering, and I didn't research any of it at all, which is a great way to start this, but <laughs> I was wondering, like, would Juliet's mom and dad have been, like, part of a generation of expats from, like, Puerto Rico that would have moved to the States at around the same time and and have been trying to kind of get along as part of American culture while preserving their own. So like being part of this this community that's yeah between two places and like being different to other people within your own community like might not have been an option or something. I think what I'm trying to say, like we had it in the, the last book, like where Maggie's mom was like super scared for Maggie as a gay woman. Um and, and how that presented in Maggie's mom was like this mad desire for Maggie to magically not be gay because then she'd be safe. Like, like m- maybe, but like that that whole, like, we just want you to be the person we raised you to be. I sort of wonder sometimes, like, do parents sort of think that their kids are like smaller versions of themselves? And like these kids, they've got all these, people always talk about like the hopes and dreams you have for your kids and shit. Like, do parents think that like, their kids are just gonna live their parents lives for them over again but like better because of all the groundwork their parents have done for them like like my mom still talks about how 
it's like going to be great for me when I go into science education instead of doing a HD the way she had to to be a teacher. Um, and then like, yeah, I'm going to get a teaching job so much quicker and I'll probably go in higher, get paid more. I'll be able to stay home in your home, like all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm not going to be a teacher, man. That's, that's, I've been very clear about this. I have no interest in teaching a bunch of like, like we suck. I don't want to teach us. Like I'm going to stay in environmental science. I'm going to work for the EPA and like, maybe come up with the catalytic cycle that like breaks down sulfur dioxide come on chill out whatever but like dude no matter how much i talk about it she will not listen to me i I think like i think that's a default setting for like a lot of parents like for for a lot of people in authority you know like my mom talks all the time about how she has to keep reminding herself that her phd students aren't her age 21 like they might have their own approaches like if she sees them doing something different to the way she would do it, it's not wrong. She she needs to watch that constantly. Like it is, it is hard for some people. I mean, that doesn't mean they shouldn't work to understand other people, you know. Yeah, and like that was really hard. I thought to to come across in the book. I I don't know. I just probably because I'll have to do it. Like it's just just Juliet having to like guide her mom through all this new terrain, and like when she genuine when Juliet doesn't even understand it herself like that was just it was just really grim and it just sounded so exhausting like your parents are supposed to look after you <laughs> your parents are supposed to look after you that's that's rich coming from me but um yeah yeah it was it was grim it was grim for someone in a happy family to to have to do so much work to be accepted yeah yeah yeah, yeah, like you say, especially because, yeah, Juliet's only learning about that stuff herself. But like, but, you know, that's that's why she's going to Portland to stay with Harlow, you know. Oh, Harlow, I, I can't figure out how I feel about Harlow. Yeah, that's like, kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, like just the levels of unmitigated white guilt, like reading any scene with Harlow in it, like. Clee. We were talking about Harlow before the show and how she made us feel kind of icky in, in certain places. And I feel like you came up with some soundbitey things that should really be brought up now. Well, I mean, that is what the fight against endemic racism is all about, Sarah. Soundbites. <laughs> you, know, you know, I heard myself say it and I knew there was something wrong with it. I just, I just wasn't sure what. Oh, sure, of course. <laughs> but like, yeah. Um... Yeah, so obviously from the beginning, you can see, yeah, from the the excerpt, I mean, you can see that Harlow Brisbane is kind of like, yeah, Juliet's entry point to feminism. And and she seems kind of, I don't know, Germaine Greer-ish, like reclaimed femaleness as something powerful and vital, something that should be celebrated during like, and it sounds like she was like, yeah, a general kind of second wave feminist type thing, but like, and all that's great, but like it's all centered around female sexual biology, the vagina, periods, all that stuff, which is fair enough in the context of the time. Like I said, the 60s and 70s, a group of people being actively repressed and taken advantage of by virtue of that biology, forced to get married, to stay home, to have babies, to never ever talk about that aspect of biological femaleness. But like that's totally exclusionary of women who aren't biologically female, man. Yeah, I was getting to that. (laughs) Oh, 
Sorry. <laughs> God, Katie. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. There are people that don't have vaginas that are women. And there are people that have female biology that don't identify as women. So uh, that kind of feminism, though great for cis women, it doesn't help for for those women, women in those situations. And it applies on the whole only to women with a certain level of privilege, like women that are being forced to get married and stay home and have babies until they hit menopause and probably women of a certain income bracket and race as a result, like white and middle to high to, to high class or middle yeah middle class I suppose anyway but rich people <laughs> people of color or people who live below the poverty line um they, they have a whole other set of problems like lack of safety overt sexualization tons of things I don't know about because my privilege means that I'm not exposed to a lot of the 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 issues that people in those um categories i suppose face but like it's it's the issue is is it's not wanting to learn about what women of color and indigenous people deal with that's the issue it's sort of saying oh this is feminism and people who want something different don't want feminism that's that's just patently not true and it's really contradictory to to what feminism is supposed to be about I was listening to this podcast recently and um, it was it was talking about how there are like thousands of missing persons cases in the US that are related to Native American women um, and like no one is talking about it. Like I, I tried searching it before the show because I thought about it um, in the context of what you're saying, clean, like people of color, people, um, indigenous peoples, like what uh, that they have a very specific set of of issues that that uh, intersect with with racism and sexism and that that women in those groups are extremely at risk you know and nobody nobody talks about it like it's yeah the the there were no numbers that i could find from from this year and there are only a couple of articles that i could find on google between like kind of 2017 and now on that subject um there's one here from from july of last year um that i was able to find that says there are about 2300 cases of vanished native american women and the investigations happening on those cases are like non-existent and that in turn makes native women a target for predators and the whole cycle just kind of continues and that's not something that is being talked about as part of like any feminist conversation in any like groups that I've been involved in globally like it's just it's it's unacceptable yeah and like that's that was something in the book that I don't know it just kind of struck me the the lack of listening that happens in a lot of yeah conversations among feminist groups like say say femsoc in college like that as great as it is to have a space where we sit down and talk about, you know, issues that affect us day to day. It is all of us there 
shooting our opinions out into the middle of the floor. And and all of us are girls who are white for the most part, like like for like is is Anna in FemSoc? She is, isn't she? She was anyway. Yeah, up until last semester. Since we've been working from home, doing the studying from home, it's 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 not been the same. Yeah, but like it's it's so uh, so why why aren't we asking Anna to tell us if things are different for her? I like I don't remember her saying anything in in any of the recent meetings. But like, is that because the rest of us don't shut up? Like all those meetings go over time. Like why we know the issues that we face why why aren't we listening instead of talking about things we already know about you know there's there was that bit in the book where where Harlow and Juliet go to a writing workshop for people of color with with Harlow's very attractive lady friend Maxine oh dude I had such a crush on Maxine like she sounded exactly like like Grace Jones but like with with normal clothes and, and not terrifying. Okay, I'm not even lying with that is exactly how I pictured her. Well, you know, we are both imaginary girls taught up by the same person who performs both our voices. Fair, fair. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to interrupt both of you breaking the fourth wall, but uh, for me, I mean, Maxine's other girlfriend, Zaira, was just incredibly beautiful and, like, unbelievable. She was she was my favourite by far. Yeah, yeah, we should clarify, actually. Harlow, Maxine and Zaira are in, like, a polyamorous relationship. Like, basically, all three of them are in a relationship, though Zaira and Harlow aren't romantic. They sort of dislike each other, actually. But, but yeah, everybody's, like, on the same page. Um, actually, no, I wrote it down, what, what Maxine says about it. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, maybe that works for them. It works for a lot of people. I think she's talking about monogamy there. But to me, as a queer person, I have the freedom to create any type of relationship model that works for me. And what's sexier than abolishing heteronormativity while I do it? That radical power lives within every single one of us. Like, like seriously, I just love her so much. Like, it physically hurts right now. <laughs> but, no, I feel like we kind of breezed past the whole white privilege thing and how it showed up in that writing workshop and... It's, uh, yeah, we're all, almost all white people. Sorry, Sersha. And like, it's, yeah, I want to talk about it. Like, Zaira is like running that writing workshop, yeah. And and usually the workshop is closed to non-people of colour. But since so many white folks said they wanted to join, Zaira graciously opened it up to non-POC folks with like the understanding that the white people that would attend would use that time to listen and like have it not be about them and like there's there's that scene like uh, yeah it, it's after the writing workshop and Juliet and Maxine and Harlow are walking out and there are these two white girls talking about young girls like talking about it and one of them I, I highlighted it, uh, it, it she says in my feminism we're equals why does any group have to have the dominant voice I know reverse racism isn't technically real but like this kind of felt like that and what she's talking about is people, the, the, the rules of the workshop being that usually it's, it's closed for, for white people and, and that the white people that are invited in should, should yeah, take their time to listen. Um, and like at that point, yeah, Harlow like gives it to them. She, she like, she, she tears strips off them, which is nice in theory. But like what she says while she's tearing strips off them is that like how white people have to give people of colour space to use their voices that like space belongs to someone in the first place 
and it's 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 an interesting one as being Irish I think is an interesting one with that because like with our history of colonialism but the fact that we're almost an exclusively white country like of course we, we do have people of colour um, in the country now but like it, it wasn't the case for a significant amount of time and still the, the those people are very much in the minority and it's it's just it's the idea of ownership of space we should be like totally against that and yet that idea of giving airspace to to people of color and 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 non traditional ideas is is a non-traditional conversations and traditional what I mean by traditional is 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 white and Irish you know and it's just it's 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 so gross. Why why are we hung up on the idea of ownership when we come from a history of people coming in and claiming that their la- that our land belongs to them because I don't know they have nicer clothes than us. You know that's a really no it's it's, it's something we've talked about before the idea of like colonialism and Ireland being a, a relatively post-colonial society and how that why do we have such obvious like hatreds and biases that are global issues racism sexism when when yeah based on the fact that we were under the thumb of colonial oppressors for you know i was going to say decades <laughs> centuries it's um it makes absolutely no sense why isn't that paid forward towards these kinds of ideals um and the thing that you mentioned there clean the idea of someone coming in to civilize ireland that is exactly the same that is that is uh, that presents in like the white savior thing and and like mansplaining like I, I know I'm saying mansplaining but I'm talking about Harlow and, and other white people but you know it's the same mechanism and I'm taking it and using it for my own fiendish ends so there but <laughs> but like yeah there's this section in in the book and it's it's like it's not even a section it's like a super throwaway thing but it's so prevalent and and I catch myself in it constantly it's so bad Harlow brings home this flyer about a panel on intersectional feminism. Um, it, it's a panel of, of black feminists talking about the, the nature of blackness and feminism. And she gives it to Maxine. And instead of being like, oh, I thought this looked cool. Did you hear about it already? I'm sure these people got in touch with you because you're a preeminent like voice in our community about this in Portland. But no, she's like, oh, my God, let me tell you about this thing that I found out about that's going to change your life, Maxine. You're going to be such a better black feminist after you've gone to this panel and it was all my idea. Oh, it just—it makes me. Oh, it just makes me feel physically sick. Because you do that. I'm, look, I'm not that bad, Chloe. Katie, you were like ten minutes into a monologue about why I should be listening to two dope queens when I was like, dude, I've been listening to that for like ages now. You are you are the worst mansplainer in the actual group. Like that is that is a serious allegation. Yeah, and I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of it today, fam. Well, like we are because I got the receipts. But let's move on anyway. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll we'll take this. You're giving Katie an out, but um, yeah, the the racism. Yes, the the thing is, yeah, going to Portland to begin with. Um, it was weird because she's yeah going into like I don't know the the snake pit of of white lady feminism as as she said but like and she does feel quite different at the beginning there's there's there she does have 
a tough time relating to the people around her at the very beginning. Um, Maxine showing up is is a real comfort, and then as as time goes on, Zaira, um, there are other people who who show up as well that that yeah, give her a sense of comfort and belonging. But like being in Portland at the same time does give Juliet the opportunity to have those experiences and be part of those conversations. The 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 fights between. Maxine and and Harlow, which which do happen and which which are kind of fueled by Harlow's racism. For that is that is what it is. No, yeah, for real. Like I was gonna say, like we need to like call this what it is. Like yeah, Harlow is a big racist weirdo. Like she she basically thinks that Julia grew up anywhere cops was filmed in the last twenty years. Like why are you so sweaty, Katie? This is serious. We're not going quote stepbrothers when we're talking about racism. Also, I know the cops isn't until four. Okay, <laughs> you wouldn't let me down, man. <laughs> But no, 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 this is serious. Like, yeah, I suppose big racist weirdo is is that's that's not really fair. Um not that it's not fair, is like the way that Harlow is racist is like is assumptions about people and thinking that like because she doesn't want to actively hurt or doesn't actively hate people of other races, that that means she's not racist, but like she hasn't done no work to like challenge any of the ideas the preconceived ideas that she has about other races and that's that's the issue like genuinely it's um and yeah and that's I suppose a big message in it that like we all gotta do that I can't like as good as that young fella that sits in front of me on the bus sometimes as good as he smells and he smells amazing like maybe that's just because he has an amazing like skincare regime and nothing to do with the fact that he is he is a young black man like it's it's ridiculous that that's like where my head went like to begin like genuinely no I'm willing to admit that like young fella sits in front of me on the bus he smells amazing I'm used to BO and links mixed together in some sort of like seven day layering situation that most blokes on my road deal he sits down, he smells amazing, and I'm there like, oh my God, all black people smell amazing. And like, just because I think that's complimentary, don't mean it's not racist. It's like, why why am I like using one like experience, one micro experience on my, to like, just kind of like define an entire race? Who do I think I am? Like, yeah, like, that's like really bad, Chloe. You did not recognize someone <coughs> that sat next to you in <laughs> physics labs for two months. When she came in and had braids instead of her natural hair. Like, Are you going to genuinely sit there and tell me that I am the worst right now when it comes to white stupidity? Is that what you are genuinely doing right now? I didn't think so. Let's move on. Okay. But yeah, let's let's uh, let's keep going here. Wait, did Katie. Like what, man? No, this isn't about you being racist. Oh, okay, what? Why am I after getting a notification um, from Elsie's little sister who writes uh, sexy BTS fanfic that you have collaborated with her on one of said sexy fanfics? What? <laughs> What's that about? No, she wasn't supposed to. Oh, she tagged me, man. <laughs> that is the case. I am now bookmarking this and will be reading that later. Well, Sarah, that is an excellent question. From my immediate investigations that I have been doing, it is a Taeyong fic, and um, it looks to be extremely explicit in its sexiness. I'm very excited to read this. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. 
thing oh my god you're sending it to me right I know like the the show is what's tagged in there it's in all user DMs right now you're missing man she tagged the show <laughs> We should, we should move on. We should move on and talk about this book. It's, uh, yeah, so, you know, Portland, Portland, non-racist sides of Portland. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, no, it's, she does, like, Juliet does get to do some pretty great stuff, like, when she gets there, like, it's, like, the thing Harlow gets her to research is pretty, like, mad, but, like, it does give Juliet, I don't know, like, the option to, like, go out and, like, look into some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, Portland is, it's kind of a bit of a baptism of fire. Like, she does meet a lot of folks that are, well, not a lot of folks, but some folks that are, like, kind of exclusionary to begin with. Like, they're quizzing her on, like, what type of gay person she wants to be or, like, already is or whatever. But, like, the whole point of Juliet going out there was to find herself. But, like, the thing about it is, and what was really cool is, like, Julia is really hurt by that and, like, kind of scared at how exclusive that is. But, like, she calls it out. She has the freak out, but then calls it out after. She asks why folks are, like, disregarding her. And I just thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, like, she does. She freaks out and then gets over her stuff. Like, I thought that was, like, pretty cool. Like, she's there to help Harlow research, like, her book or whatever. And, like, Harlow ends up saying that what she's going to help research is like it's all in this big box <coughs> oh my god excuse me bless yeah, you but, <laughs> <laughs> no yeah Harlow just gives her this big box full of like scraps of paper with like just random names written on it and like yeah these are women that you need to research essentially that seriously that task gave me so much anxiety like I not I cannot be clear enough about how upset I got over the existence of that box in the first place and the fact that Juliet had to go and find out just who those random names belong to. Sometimes just first names. It's, oh my God, it was so horrible. But that's the thing. Like, Juliet just, like, she had her freak out over it. Like, you talking about there, Saoirse, justify it. But, like, then she just gets on with it. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Like, it's it wasn't a case that she was this totally inhuman superhero, like, out there knocking down all these obstacles. Like, she was just this real person that, like, got hurt when people were mean to her and got freaked out when the situation was overwhelming. But then she got on with it, which, you know, is arguably more impressive. Right? And, like, she just gets stuck in and, like, does it. And, like, this isn't me saying that Harlow is, like, responsible for Juliet, like, getting to to know herself or whatever because like ew but like no like going to Portland and like doing that project like like she does get to like research some class stuff and like learn a lot about who it is she wants to be yeah but like Julia like sorts out going to Portland like for herself like she reaches out to Harlow and like gets it all sorted out like it's not like anybody handed her the internship or anything like she went out and did that yeah that's what I'm saying Katie Jesus but but like yeah no like yeah going out and just being in Portland sort of like showed up two things yeah like that yeah, there are more accepting places for like hanging out and having coffee with your girlfriend and you're not going to get beaten up for being gay or like harassed on the street by random blokes for being a woman. But like the thing is, there's now all accepting paradise for people. 
well, you know, like people that aren't white, we get to have that. It's so shit. Like, it's just so bad. Like, but like, even in places where there's like this culture of acceptance of like living your life however you want, like racism still exists. And like, it's almost as though it appears more easily because people are genuinely convinced that they're fighting against racism while being racists. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and like, thing is thing that struck me reading it was like oh like if you have the opportunity to go off and live like a tree hugging lifestyle like odds are you came from a fairly privileged place to even consider that as an option to begin with katie murphy is this you coming out as a member of the bourgeoisie is that's what's like happening right now like (laughs) Like, maybe, man, like, it's, oh, dude, it's, like, so, like, like, reading the book and, like, like, you just can't ignore, like, all the things that, like, I've definitely done and that I definitely don't think about and, like, 100% definitely don't know, like, it's just, oh, man, oh, I don't know. Like, don't, like, beat yourself up lots like it. like shouldn't i though like for real like like between those white girls being all like oh we want to be included even though like why why do you need to be included and then like fan like proper gatekeeping like quizzing juliet on like queer culture to see if she like knew enough to be in the club or whatever and then him being all oh here's a book about real u.s history go educate yourself like like i just oh i just felt so horrible yeah but like the thing is as horrible as all that was because it was horrible and yeah yeah you need to look at yourself Chloe, Chloe. I'm messing I'm messing like like is is it was like weirdly like good like it was it was a chance for her to be like oh my god this is so shit what am I going to do this is real scary okay no actually I'm gonna talk to him about this because like nobody can be this much of a dick right and like and that book that was like Juliet's opening to get to grips with the US being an arsehole colonial power that just needs to stop being such a dick and then hold her girlfriend Lainey accountable for it yeah like see like I didn't even know what a banana republic was man like that's how much of a dick I am yeah but like now you do and now you get to kick the Lainey out your head oh my god how have we not talked about Lainey yet uh cause she's a bitch <laughs> So just just for clarification, Lainey is Juliet's college girlfriend that she was talking about in uh, in the excerpt right at the beginning. Um, yeah, white, preppy, also on an internship, but with like the Democratic Party or something. Um, hasn't come out to her parents, so she and Juliet's relationship is a secret. And then also just for clarification, a banana republic is a pejorative term that refers to a politically unstable country limited to primary productions like bananas and um, ruled by a small self-elected elite. It is also Lainey's favourite place to buy khakis that fit. Um, Juliet gets followed around that shop by sales assistants anytime she goes there, which is hilarious because it's not like anything there would fit her anyway. Well, I mean, that was just masterful. Why, thank you. Why, you're welcome. Here, get room, you two. I was talking, actually. Oh, God forbid anyone would get in the way of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, Julia, yeah, when she goes to Portland first, like, she's trying to get hold of Lainey because, like, she misses her and all and, like, the Banana Republic situation just brings everything to a head with the two of them because, like, for a feminist, okay, I'm just going to drop this right now. For a feminist, Lainey, like, don't care about symbolism, like, at all. And that is our issue. Like, do you, like, half your wardrobe is made of pleather. Like, do you have 
any idea how many whales will die when you throw that out and move on to the next thing. I will have you know, Katie Morphy, that I am exclusively shopping at the Sustainable Collection at H&M this year and therefore will not be responsible for any more marine loss of life on kind. I'm not actually sure that that's how that and works. And therefore will not be responsible for any more marine loss of life on kind. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I do... I do take your point, Chloe. There was there was a weird sort of like super horrible opportunity for Juliet to like, I don't know, like feel the way, this sounds awful, but like feel the weight of her heritage in Portland kind of almost as like sort of a result of how absent her heritage like was there. No, that doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um... Yeah, so like Juliet is there in like white hippie country, like using unbleached tampons and not being allowed to take paracetamol, which is a human rights violation, by the way. No, genuinely, I was like halfway through an email to Amnesty International before I remembered that Juliet was fictional. <laughs> but like, as yeah, as part of that, she's really significantly othered. Like, I don't think, like, I, I'm certain no one does it on purpose, but like her. The food she likes to eat isn't there, you know. Her mother love yelling at her isn't there, which is the best phrase ever. Like, the way people talk to each other is completely different. And then on top of that, she's got this project where she's looking into these random names. And yet, somehow, as a result of all of that, in the absence of certain things and in the presence of others, she begins connecting to her own version of her own feminism. Interesting. And I am 90% certain that I agree with you, but say, say more things, say more things about that. <laughs> well, well, say the Banana Republic situation, yeah? Like that gives her an opportunity to call Lainey out for like covert racism. She knows, Lainey actually knows what her Banana Republic is and what its connotations are. She knows that Juliet's family are from Puerto Rico and that there are colonial considerations there. She just doesn't think or doesn't care enough to put the pieces together and not shop at that store, which is, it's shitty of her. And it also explains her other behaviors taking Juliet for granted not wanting to introduce her to her parents as her girlfriend like Juliet learns about Lolita Lebron a a Puerto Rican freedom fighter that helped storm Congress in the 1950s that then allows Juliet to like question the fact that her Puerto Rican identity was more tied up with West Side Story a movie where both lead actors were white than with true historical heroes participating in true historical change yeah yeah and like you could argue in a gross way because no one should have to go through it but like the whole Harlow being so white that Juliet has to get away from her for a bit is also like like it's disgusting but it also means that Juliet gets to go and hang out with her cousin Ava who is actual goals like it's it's cool that she can go and hang out at a party where there aren't any white people there to make anybody uncomfortable like that that idea yeah, that that idea hadn't occurred to me, obviously, but it's it's awesome. It's awesome. But I was so jealous, though, man. I mean, like, I re- I wish I could go to a party like that. White people have been having all the parties since time began, and no one else was allowed to go. Okay. Yeah. And and that thing that Ava said, like, it's it's so we can go somewhere and, like, no one has to worry about what Meredith from Luggage does to insult other people there. Like, like that's kind of it. Like, people have to be comfortable to enjoy themselves. And if you're being somewhere makes someone else uncomfortable, 
surely you should just be sound and not go in. Yeah, but like how is how is us saying, yeah, if if people want to hang out together and us being there would make them uncomfortable, so we're not going to go. How is that different to the thing that Harlow said about giving people of colour space to use their voices, you know? Well, like, like say, say there was a presentation in college, yeah, and, and a bunch of lads go up and give their presentations and the lecturers, like, grill them, like, properly grill them on the subject matter. They have this really open discussion and the lads all come away with what they're going to do next on their project, yeah? And then... You go up and some of the lads are like talking during your presentation. Then the lecturer steps in and goes, lads, no, stop that. It's our job as men to allow girls like Katie here to speak up and show the work that she's been able to do with her set of impediments. You know, how else will she learn how to talk about these things like the rest of us if we don't give her the space? Okay, that was just a hypothetical, dude. Like, like I know, but I'm like so angry right now. <laughs> but like then say there's this one guy. So, so uh, we're doing the presentation. Everyone is being super sound and the lecturer is awesome and doesn't say those things. There's one guy who is part of our class. Yeah, the hypothetical person doesn't exist. But like he has this habit of asking loads of questions and like does this thing where he like laugh talks at the same time. And he doesn't mean anything by it, but it looks like he's laughing at you when he's asking that question. So he knows that because of his habit, he's going to look like he's making fun of you while asking his questions. He's working on it and he's going to therapy and he's getting it all sorted. But until then, he's not going to go to the presentation because he knows he's going to act like a dick and make you feel worse. So he's just going to remove himself from the situation because he's in, he's acting like an asshole in that situation. Whether he intends to or not is not important. He's, the effect of it will be ass-hattery. So he's not going. For me, that's the difference. That's the soundness happening there. You paint a vivid picture, Clay. It's it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, it's just it's just about being sound. Like most things in life, I think, are just about being sound. Like there's that bit where Juliet's saying to Ava that if she was getting off with a girl and that girl happened to have a penis instead of a vagina, that would mildly freak Juliet out because, you know, she likes vaginas a lot. But like, yeah, when you think about it, that's just a dick move. Like it's decidedly unsound in any like to be in any way like oh oh yeah oh so that's what you look like when you're getting off with someone oh yeah like when blokes say girls wearing makeup gives them trust issues poor babies like i hadn't really thought about it like that but yeah i guess so like yeah having an expectation of someone and when it turns out not to be the case being all like this is your fault for not being the way i thought you were and then shaming the person over that that's that's the asshole move like yeah yeah i think so Oh, man, is your head exploding right now? I was, like, not prepared for this, man. Oh, we're just talking about Kira the Hot Librarian, trademark, help Kate. Ah, Kira the Hot Librarian, trademark. We are all decidedly in love with Kira the Hot Librarian, trademark. Oh, my God, like her leaving Juliet a note in the book she was reading. I mean, oh, my God, she is just the actual dream. I watched her walk away, and at once I wanted her Doc Martens and her attention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was wondering what you were reading, because, like, I've been reading all day, and it hasn't Stop me from noticing you. Oh, I see you, Kira, the hot librarian <laughs> trademark. I see you, okay? But, like, no, like, aside from the hotness. Oh, so hot. Oh, like, the motorbike, man. Oh, I don't. Like, seriously. Katie, you are going to make Clean a, like, slide off her seat, and you will be liable 
if she hurts herself, okay? Chloe? No, no, that that is pretty accurate in fairness. <laughs> See? <laughs> no, no. Like, it's just, it's just the joy of it all. Like, Juliet, she, she gets to feel all this joy with Kira and all this, this joy with Ava and Maxine, even though, like, she's figuring all this stuff out. She's always, like... I don't know, like leading with love or whatever. Like it's just, she's just so vibrant. Like her whole circle is just so vibrant, and you can see that with it. Like her relationship with her mother too. Like, like there was that discussion where Juliet finds out her mom has been like reading *Raging Flower* since you know Juliet came out. Like she's trying, you know, and she says really clearly that it's because she doesn't want to be them to be a mom and a daughter who like don't talk. Yeah. Yeah, I I underlined that part actually. Like I don't like maybe yeah, maybe it's because my mom wasn't like that, but do you wanna like read it, Clay? Would it be weird? Like no. <gasps> no. Yeah, like no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um well yeah, no, like it's yeah, it's after Harlow yeah, she does something that yeah, lets Juliet down basically and she's Juliet is talking to her mom about it and her mom is like um yeah so let go of whatever expectations you had of this woman and her book and write your own only you can change your world this world is is yours to reinvent and Juliet's reaction it's just like moms are are wild creatures they've got this spidey sense about your whole entire self and it's all mixed up with their fears and preconceived notions and then you're all like daydreaming about this other self this super great take on the world self and the purple notebook comes out and there you are writing down your shit not because your mom said so but definitely because your mom blessed it so and like I don't know like what like would it be this hard like, for me, if my mom was here, well, I suppose because it'd be my mom, maybe. Like, like yeah, I, I, I do think parents are just people, Clay. You think? Yeah, man. Like some of them are class at being parents, others less. So, like, it's a lottery, just like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Y- you good, man? Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Like, no, like, this was just, like, I don't know that I've ever read a character that was, like, this, like, yeah, vibrant was the word someone used. I can't remember. But, yeah, it was, like, she was genuinely in the room talking to me. Like, I genuinely miss Juliet right now. Yeah, like, oh, my God, same. Like, she was just so warm and funny and cool and interesting. And, oh, my actual God, I'm properly fangirling over a fictional character right now. This is yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah, and you all think I'm weird for being obsessed with Jungkook Yopa and well now now the shoe is on the other foot is it not Sergio Flannery <laughs> yes yes it is Clay <laughs> no but like before we get into any more tangents and weirdness like this is it's not even that we're out of time we are so far over time this is by far the longest show we've done like ever anything else you guys want to bring up before we finish are, are you okay Sarah that that sounded that was a strange sound that happened there that sounded sore like I think I'm just hitting puberty I think it's just yeah my testosterone levels going up there man congratulations thanks this isn't helping with the the lack of extra tangents situation yeah that's that's fair that's fair um yeah no I have nothing to add just everyone should read this book I've it's a yeah I crazily enjoyed this book yeah like the fact that there are people out there walking around like without 
Juliet Palante like in their lives like that that really upsets me like you know Katie how much it grieves me to agree with you on anything but like oh my god actual same like <laughs> okay before we get into that fight it um yeah let's 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 wrap up so Juliet takes a breath oh my god I just realized we didn't get into the asthma symbolism like there's so much in this book man like, but yes, Juliet Takes a Breath is available on Kindle and Apple Books, um, but it's also coming out in a gorgeous new paperback that you will just be like so upset with yourself if you don't just go out and buy that right now. <laughs> Sarah, you're not telling them about the graphic novel. It's <laughs> oh, Christ, Katie. Also, Jesus Christ. It's also a graphic novel adaptation of the book that, no lie, we just have to get our hands on immediately so that we can just relive the magic. Oh, Stupid Juliet making me want to go read comics like I'm bleeding Katie or something. Dude, I'm like right here, man. I know. <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> we don't need to we don't need to get into this. We can do this. You guys don't need to listen to this. We can do this on our own. Um, yes, we better get going. Um, we need to get started. Yes, we need to get started on our next book, She's Not There by Jennifer Finley Boylan. And you can, of course, like and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Um, if you get a chance to rate and review, it does help more people hear about us, which would be super awesome. Um, and if you're following us on Twitter at, at chicklet for life one or on instagram at life chicklet four you can help folks see our posts by liking sharing retweeting telling your mates generally just being awesome human people um thanks a million for listening we will catch you guys later it's awesome bye everyone chloe why do you have to be like that what you love is shut up how's it going lads it's dino here from two tours one shine that's right I'm back to deal with all your tour and bike related changing needs. Where you out getting cans for the barbecue you can now have with one other household not in a garden? Maybe you clipped off some Ella's walking stick going around the corner and he broke his hip, you broke your chain and now you've no way to get to your court ordered community service. Don't worry, here at Two Tours one chain will replace that chain and give you a free tour check to get you on your way in no time book today and you get a free sticker from my hit instagram live musical dino nice to meet you hey i told you you couldn't advertise them stickers dino like we're not seven year old girls man pussy cyclists love stickers man i swear dan if you mention that musical one more time here we don't anyway uh, so, so come on down Two tours, one shine, our prices cannot be bet. Two tours, one shine. Just stop talking about the fucking stickers, then. Shut up, buttsy.